You may be seated. And thank you for entering into that time of worship with us. You know, I really believe that God wants to do something special in these next few moments that we have together. And so I want you to be increasingly open to that. I, I want to say before we get in the message, and by the way, you may want to take some notes. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures that you can go back later and reflect on. But before we get into that, uh, it's a real, real uh, joyful thing for me uh, to have uh, a special guest, and that is my cousin. A lot of you have heard me talk about him, and uh, you've heard me mention that my cousin, this particular cousin, uh, he's more like a brother. And uh, what is exciting for me and hopefully for him and for our families is that uh, Ed, uh, he and his family in the last two weeks have moved to Lakeland. And uh, that's an exciting thing. And we're golfing buddies and we're laughing buddies and we're joke buddies. And so it's, uh, we're really both excited about it. So it's good to have him and his family, Christy's wife, uh, moving into the Lakeland area. Yeah, you can give my cousin a hand. My cousin, brother, brother, cousin. He's a Miami Hurricane fan. Don't hold that against him, please. Yeah, I know, I know. So pray for him. Put your hands... No, not really. I'm just kidding. But I'm so glad that you're here for part three of our series, The Me I Want to Be. And who is the me that you are wanting to become? Now, how many of you have come to this realization that none of us have arrived yet? How many of you know that? I was talking to a new family just yesterday, and I said, hey, we're glad to have you coming out. Come check it out. You know, you're not going to know a lot about the church first time. And he had already said, hey, we want to keep coming back, and we like what happened. And I said, well, let me just tell you this on the front end. We are not a perfect church. And I said, had the church been perfect ahead of time, I would have just royally messed that up myself when I came. We are not a perfect church because none of us have arrived yet. Would you agree with that? So we're all works in progress, and when we think about Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and the person that we really want to be, the person that we want to become, I mean, we just start going through the list of nine, and we start saying, all right, God, how can I get better in this area of my life? How can I become a more loving person? Wouldn't it be wonderful if people said about you that there's somebody that, that, that I know loves everybody and they love unconditionally? Uh, we talked about this uh, last week, the difference between happiness and joy. And maybe you'd say, hey, I'm not a joyful person yet. My happiness is sporadic. It's spasmodic. It's all over the place based on whatever happens to be going on in my life at the time. But I want to move away from mere happiness that is tethered to happenings. And instead, I want to be a joyful person. That's the me that I want to be. I want to become a more joyful person. Or as we're going to talk about today, how that you and I, the me that I want to be is a me that is not stressed out, a me that is not anxious and filled with tension, but a me that is actually, uh, you know, in possession of this unexplainable peace that it is so pronounced in my life that a lot of times people can't even understand it. Or how do I become a more patient person? Or how do I become increasingly kind? Anybody know anybody that ought to become more kind than what they are? Uh, you know, don't point at them. Just, just wave your hand. Just, are, are detectively good. That you know, it, you look at them and you just say they're good. You ever do this uh, with people? They're just a good person. They're just a good. I mean, they're solid. They're a good person. Well, that's 
You know, in essence, the me that we want to be, the me that we want to become, or we're flourishing in our faithfulness, or we're genuinely gentle. And as we're going to talk about next week, and you don't need to miss this, how that you and I, and we all need this, we all need this, why we're going to talk about it, how that we need more self-control in our life. And how does that become a reality when at times it seems that we possess little to no self-control? Now, last week, we talked about, as I mentioned to you, the real difference between happiness and joy. Today, our focus is is going to be on how do you and I have this kind of unexplainable peace. And I want to just ask you on the front end of this talk, how are you doing in that? When you think about your life and the person that you want to become and what other people, when they look at your life, certainly non-judgmentally, um, judgmentally, but they just look at your life and they observe candidly. When they say, hey, you know what I noticed about him or her? They just have this peace in their life that I would really like to have in mind. I want you to check out our very first verse as we launch into this. And a good, you note takers are going to want to take some notes and get these verses down. Proverbs 14.30, look at the first part of this, a heart at peace, a heart at peace. And that's the me that we want to be. We want to have a heart that is at peace. What does it do? It gives life to the body. A heart at peace gives light to the body, and that's what we want. Everybody wants to have a heart at peace. Everybody wants to have a peaceful mind. Everybody wants to be free of chronic stress and anxiety. You want that for your life. I want that for my life. That's the me that we want to be, not stressful, not anxious, not always worrying, but we just want to have, no matter what's going on around us, we want to have the kind of peace that Jesus said is actually available to us. And I'm going to tell you today, straight out of the Bible, how that that can become a reality for us. Now, let me do a timeout right here. And mention to you that, and this is my own non-scientific uh, evaluation conclusion, causes me to believe that stress and worry is at an all-time high. I was looking online recently in Wall Street Journal in an article that they had, sort of a headlining article, and here was the title of it, More People Are Taking Drugs for Anxiety and Insomnia Than Ever Before, and then it had this phrase, and doctors are worried. More people and doctors are worried. So when I read that, I'm like, what does that mean? This is just a crazy way my mom, so what are the doctors doing about it? You know, what are they doing about their worried if they're worried about people who are Okay, I don't, I can't, I don't even want to go there. But so, you, but you get the point. It seems that everybody is stressed, doesn't it? It seems that everybody is tense and everybody is anxious. And if there's ever been a time, if there's ever been a time that you and I need God's peace, it is right now. Now, before I get into the practical part of this, I want to just share with you what the Bible says about peace, three kinds of peace. You may want to get it down somewhere. Number one, uh, there's spiritual peace. I'm going to establish a little bit of a framework, then we're going to shift into some practical stuff for us to get down. So there's spiritual peace. Spiritual peace actually speaks of peace with God. That's spiritual peace. I have peace with God. I'm in right relationship with God. 
Everything between God and I is okay. Not because I'm perfect, but I have peace with God. And this is actually the beginning of a deep-rooted faith and a peace. I want you to look at the screen at this. This is Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Look at this with me. This is so good, what Paul says to these believers here. He said, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, we're in right relationship with God. We're not perfect, but we're in right relationship with God by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Not because of anything that we have done, but on the basis of what Jesus did for us in his finished work on the cross, when he became our stand-in, our substitute, and we became the recipients of his grace and his mercy and the gift of salvation. And so what do we have now? We have peace with God, that spiritual peace. But let me mention to you a second kind of peace. And that is, and it's really where a lot of times we traffic. It's what we're going to talk about today and how do we get there. There's emotional peace, emotional peace. And emotional peace is actually much different than spiritual peace. You see, spiritual peace, as I mentioned to you, is peace with God, right relationship with God. But emotional peace is when you and I have the peace of God. Do you see the difference? Spiritual peace, I'm at peace with God. But when I have emotional peace, I have the peace of God. I have this internal impression or sense or feeling that everything is going to be okay, even if there's chaos everywhere around me. And why do I have that confidence? Because I know that even in the middle of the storm, God is able to give to me his peace. You're like, well, Jeff, show me an example of this. Look at Colossians 3, 15. Look at it right up here on the screen. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. This is emotional peace. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. So the Bible talks about spiritual peace. The Bible talks about emotional peace. But the Bible also talks about, and you'll want to jot this down somewhere, relational peace. Relational peace. Now, Many of you have found that some of the greatest stress and pressure in your life is actually connected to people, right? To relationships. Maybe it's a boss. And if your boss is in here, you may not want to raise your hand or make any comments or any commentary. It could be your coworkers. It could be family members. How many of you have family members? Don't wave, don't wink, don't nod. But how many of you, and we'll just say extended family members because that sounds a lot more safe. How many of you have extended family members that will sometimes drive you absolutely crazy, create stress in your life? And, uh, you know, it's this relational piece. Romans chapter 12. Look at this. I want you to get down. And I know I'm hurrying through this first portion, but look at this. Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Now, the, the writer here, who is again, Paul, he certainly is not trying to tell us, nor should we attempt to do this, by the way, that we can control the actions or the behavior or the attitude of other people. We can't, we shouldn't even try to. But what we can control is we can control how we respond. We can do everything possible on our part to help create peace or to keep peace. Now, I've got some really, really good news for you, and I want you to be sure you get this. Jesus wants you and I to enjoy real peace at all three levels. He really does. He wants us to enjoy spiritual peace, that peace, you know, that peace with God, that we're in right relationship with God. In fact, if that's absence, it's going to be hard to have like really lasting, serious, serious peace with God. 
So he wants us to know that spiritual peace. He wants us to know that emotional peace, the peace of God. And some places in scripture, it talks about the peace that passes all understanding, doesn't even make sense. And he wants us to have relational peace. And again, we can't control the context of all of our relationships, but we can bring the me that I want to be into that circumstance and do everything that we can on our part to hopefully create peace or to keep peace. Now, Jesus wants us to enjoy this at all three levels. Look at this verse up on the, script, uh, up on the screen. John 14, 27. This is Jesus, and he said, I give you peace, the kind of peace that only I can give. It isn't like the peace that this world can give, so don't be worried or afraid. And that's what I want to really settle in on you today. Don't be worried or don't be afraid. Don't be stressed out. Don't be filled with tension. Allow God, the me that you and I want to become is a, is a person that we have this unexplainable kind of peace. And you're like, Jeff, man, I'm hearing you, but how in the world do I even have that kind of peace? And I want to talk to you about that. So let's dive in. And I want to give you five ways that you and I can experience the peace of God. Now, here's why you need to get them down. Get them down on your tablet, your phone. Get them down somewhere because later you're going to think about if your mind is like mine. Oh, you know, I can think of three or I can think of two. But I want you to go back and I want you to actually, in your notes, put some of these scriptures down so you can go and reflect on them. And some of these you may want to actually uh, commit to memory. Now, again, I want you to take some uh, good notes because there is a massive difference between God's peace and the world's peace. Now, the world's peace, this is what you need to know about it, and you already know it without me even having to tell you, but the world's peace is always fragile. The world's peace is already temporary, always temporary. And we were talking about this in our team recently because we had read some information on this, Uh, and it is this. Think about this now, this stat. In the last 3,500 years, how many of you know that's a long time? 3,500 years, there's only been 286 years of peace in the world. 3,500 years, globally speaking, of those 3,500 years, only 286 years where you could say the world is at peace. So how can we experience the peace of God? Number one, I want you to be sure you get this. Obey the principles or the plan of God. And I'm going to go through these rather quickly. I only have like 21 minutes to do these five. So here's what we do. We obey the principles or the plan of God. In other words, we do what the Bible says. We read the Bible. That's why I want to encourage you. Hey, don't just put the word of God into your life on Sundays. You've got to learn the value of being a self-feeder. We're between Sundays. And you know what? If you self-feed, in other words, you're getting into the scriptures during the week, it's only going to enhance what's going to happen on Sundays. See, and the reality is you and I always make time. I've mentioned this to you before, you know it, that we will always make time to do the things that we all want to do and we'll always find the money to do the stuff that we want to do. Isn't that our human condition? And so if you and I really want to get into the scriptures and really learn what the scripture says and obeying the scriptures, what God tells us, because here's what we believe. God's way is always going to be the best way. Then we get into God's word. We live out God's word. And that's going to bring a certain amount of unexplainable peace to our life. The reason I mention this, what are the other alternatives? What else are you going to be influenced by? Are you going to be influenced by the words of God? Or are you going to say, no, that's not for me. No, 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 no. I'm not going to allow my life to be influenced by the word of God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to become subject to culture. 
I'm going to allow the word, the culture to become my instructor and influencer. How many of you know that's a huge mistake? Wave at me like this. I'm going to allow culture to dictate my life. How about this one? I'm going to allow the media. You know what? I'm going to become, I'm, I'm going to allow my life to be influenced by the media. And I'm going to follow the media. And I'm, how many of you know all you got to do is follow media for about three minutes and that'll cause your peace to run straight out the door? So, I'm, you know, the media, and I'm not opposed to the media. I'm just saying, saying I'm not going to allow, and I don't think you should either, by the way, allow the media to be the primary influencer in your life, not, not even your friends. How many of you have well-meaning friends that sometimes the spirit of goofiness comes all over them? Right? The spirit of goofiness, and they just, and you're like, ah, that. And so you're not going to allow that to become, or, or how about this, politics? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put all my hope in politics. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put my hope in politics. I don't think so. We're going to put our hope in God. Did you know that in the word of God, there are scores of principles and answers regarding basically uh, every area that somehow is connected to our life? Do you know the Bible actually has a lot to say about parenting? And the Bible has a lot to say about marriage and about business and about money and about relationships and about mental and emotional health and physical health and wisdom and decision-making. That's why it's so important. If you and I are going to have authentic peace, the kind of peace that Jesus wants us to have that passes all understanding, we've got to become increasingly familiar with the Bible and what God says in his word. We've got to live in obedience to that. What are our other alternatives? Secondly, how can we experience the peace of God? Secondly, receive the forgiveness of God. Receive the forgiveness of God. What is it that produces a tremendous amount of stress in our life and tension in our life? You know what it is? It's guilt. It's shame. It's regret. See, I can't be walking around being clobbered by guilt all the time or shame all the time our regret all the time and somehow maintain the kind of peace that Jesus wants me to have, the me that I really want to become. The me that I want to be is the me that has a clear conscience, that has a mind that is at peace. Now, guys, I know I threw you a curveball. I'm skipping over Psalm 119. I want you to put on the screen this marvelous verse. This is Micah. This is out of the Old Testament. This is Micah chapter 7 and verse 18. I want you to look at it. Who is a God like you? It's, it's a rhetorical thing. Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever. How many of you can say amen to that? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight, God, you delight, you love to show mercy. One writer said, God's forgiveness is far more powerful than all your mistakes and sins put together. So guess what? You get a clean slate. I get a clean slate. We get peace of mind. We're not living our lives filled with guilt and shame and regret. We have a clear conscience. And you know what that does? That brings the kind of peace in our life that Jesus wants us to have. Number three, be sure you get this down somewhere. Focus your thoughts on the presence of God, the presence of God. You know what makes it so easy to forfeit God's peace? It is this. If, it's, if, it's, if you remain fixated on your current problems and challenges and circumstances in your life, like your job, like your job, if you don't have anybody, supervisors, bosses, owners of the company, and you can just like be totally transparent with this, 
then we'll sort of react to it. Are you ready? How many of you does, does uh, your job ever create some stress and tension in your life? Wave your hand like this. Okay? How about this one? How about your credits? Wait, your credits. Everybody's got credits. Listen, the only way to not have credits is to not be doing anything in your life. If you're doing anything of significance and worth in your life, there's always going to be credits. And you don't want to be a slave to your credits. How about this one? How about this one? Does this ever create stress in your life? Your weaknesses or your habits or your addictions. You're like, you know what? I, I, really, I, I really don't ever want to do this again. And I say I'm never going to do it again. And, and yet I do it again. And I've said that 500 times. I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again, but I've done it. And this is why you need to be here next week when we talk about self-control and why that's important, how that you and I can move to that place. But a lot of times that creates stress in our life. I don't want to do this again. I know that this is counterproductive for where I want to be spiritually, personally, relationally, professionally. But, but yet the very thing that I say I'm never going to do again, I fall right back into that trap. It's like Paul said in, in Romans when he talked about this tension between the old person and the new person. He said, hey, there's this part of me that really wants to do the right thing. He said, but I've got this other part of me that just is always like sort of kicking against what I know is right for my life. We're going to talk about that a little bit next week, but it creates stress in our life. What can create stress in our life is our painful past, our uncertain future. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do. And with that comes a tremendous amount of stress and worry and anxiety when we're focusing all the time. We're fixated on our negative problems and circumstances. God has a much better idea. God has a much better plan. I want you to look at this up on the screen. Look at this with me. This is Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. You will keep in perfect, say it out loud with me. All right, now the rest of you, aside from you eight, you will keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Look at this next one. This is the B part of verse six out of Romans eight. Letting the spirit control your mind. You're you're thinking about the presence of God. You're thinking about the reality that God is with you. Letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. It's what I want you to know. It's why we're talking about the peace of God. How do we have it? Focusing our thoughts on the presence of God. Realizing that even when we feel like we're alone, when we're by ourselves, we're not alone. We're not by ourselves. A lot of you have heard me tell this story if you've been here for some time, it's been a while since I've told it at this campus. I've told it at North Campus not too long ago. When Drew, and he's our middle child, when Drew was about eight or nine years old, it's like eight or nine, boy, it's high time for you to do a missions trip. You're this old, what do you mean? Time for you to do a missions trip. So he and I got on the plane and a very loud plane, loud plane, sat in the back of the plane and we flew down to this third world country. And the plan was we were gonna meet up with a group of people. Now, here's the dilemma. Here's the dilemma. The people that we were going to meet up with, in fact, the people that were going to meet us at the airport were nowhere to be found. Now, I don't know if you've gone through customs internationally. Some places are better than others, and some are a lot worse. In fact, many years before this ever happened, a guy, a missionary, had actually said, Jeff, whenever you're in another country, and he had traveled all over the world, he said, whenever you're in another country, and you're like in customs, and, and, you know, and they're talking to you, he said, one of the things, if you don't understand the language, is just smile. 
Just be kind. Just smile. And so I thought that. We landed. We go through. It's like, all right, we're going to pull you. You know, we couldn't go out with the rest of the crowd. We got pulled aside. We're going to go through customs. And so we're just standing there, Drew, eight or nine years old, me, pulled aside in customs. We're like, oh, we don't know. And you look, and people standing there, machine guns, and it's a very intimidating place. And all I could think about was what this missionary said, be kind, just smile, just smile. And in fact, I thought about it later. I couldn't understand a thing that he was saying. But when he was going through our luggage, he could have been saying, are you bringing co- uh, drugs into our, our country? And I'd be like, Are you bringing lots of drugs into our country? Man, my heart is racing and and, uh, we get through customs, you know, and it's pretty benign. And then we step out and we're just thinking, you know, we're thinking domestically. And I've got Drew and Drew's never been out of the States before. And, you know, so I feel that sense about about me. And, and, And we walk out and we don't see the people that are supposed to be meeting us. In fact, we see a sea of people. It was like we walked into a stadium. It's like, how are we? And we feel so alone and we don't know what to do. Drew probably didn't feel alone. He was eight or nine years old. He thought it was all cool. Especially when I said to him at one point, I said, Drew, listen, I I, I really don't know how we're ever going to find them. I'm going to walk around. Just please withhold judgment. Please. Let me just say this ahead of time, especially you moms. If you're a mom, wave your hand at me. All right, please withhold your judgment. You're not going to like what I'm about to tell you. I've since repented in sackcloth and ashes, but this is what I did. I said, Drew, we're never going to find him. We'll be here forever. Here's what dad's going to do. I'm going to stand you on this suitcase and you'll be able to see dad start walking through this crowd and I'll be able to look and see you. But uh, otherwise, I don't know how long we're going to be here. Are you okay? And he's like, yeah, dad. I'm like, all right. So I got the suitcase, stood him up, and I, I didn't get like way far, like on what felt like the other side of the stadium, but I was walking around just trying to see a familiar face, and I'd look back at him, and, and I'd wave, and he'd wave, and he was happy. I'm like, oh, where? I don't know. And so I'm walking around, walking around, walking around, and you know what? How many of you moms, have you found the grace of God to forgive me already? And so I'm like, uh, looking back, you know, a bad idea, but it worked. Let me just say that it did work. And we found them and went back over and got true. And like, come on, buddy. We found the people that's here to meet us. And by the way, let's not ever tell your mom about what just happened. Okay. Let's never mention this to mama. But you know what? We felt so alone. We're like, Hey, we're in the middle of nowhere and, and we're by our, and yet the reality that God is always with us. Psalm 46, 1, I love this verse. Look at it. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Always ready. Let me mention the fourth way to experience the peace of God. Trust in the faithfulness of God. Have you ever had times in your life when you really didn't know who to trust? Have you ever had times in your life when things didn't make sense and you didn't know what to do? Like, what do I do? Where do I go from here? That creates an enormous amount of stress. What creates stress? Confusion does. And doubt does. And disappointment does. And despair does. I want you to look closely at at this next uh, verse. It's really a condition. It's a qualification and, and a promise. It's actually two verses out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I wish I had time to expand on it. But let me just mention it quickly. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
You see that phrase? Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. And the wisdom writer is so true. There is this condition. There is this qualification. What is it? It is trust. Here's the condition. What do I do? I trust. Who do I trust in? I trust in God. What's the result of trusting in God? There's the promise that he will show me what I need to do. He'll give me wisdom. And it will bring something in my life that will help to clear up the confusion or the doubt or the disappointment or the despair. It's just we trust in the Lord. We trust in the Lord. And that brings peace. The more we trust, the more we have peace, the more we trust. And when we trust, we have this confidence of knowing that he will show us the right way. We trust not in our circumstances, but in God, who is all-powerful, who is completely dependable, who has a perfect record and who has never, ever made not even one mistake. Lastly, finally, how can we experience God's peace? Simply, this sounds so easy, but so often we negate it. We don't access it, and that is to simply ask for the peace of God. God finds no pleasure. You got to hear this. God finds no pleasure whatsoever in withholding from you what you're asking him for. God wants to give you what you're asking him for. If it's in alignment with his will, we've got to trust God in that. And let me use an analogy. If you've been here more than once, how many of you know I've got grandkids? <laughs> the most incredible grandkids in the whole wide world. And God blessed us with great grandkids to make up for the three kids we had. It's like, you put up with them, I'm going to bless you with these. How many of you parents and grandparents know what I'm talking about? You put up with them, I'll bless you with these. I love, I love, love, love to give my grandkids what they ask for. They're going to be back in eight weeks. I'm so excited about it. I was talking to them on the phone, FaceTiming a little bit yesterday. I said, get down here to Florida to see your pawpaw. We just have that kind of talk. Get down here to Florida to see your pawpaw. What do you want when you get down here? And when they're here and they're asking, they're like, Papa, we want ice cream. I'm like, yes, you get ice cream. Papa, we want to go to the park. Yes, that's what you want. I'm a loving grandfather. I'm not a perfect grandfather, but yes, I, I, want, to, I want to bless you with the park. Load up. Let's go to the park. Hey, Papa, pa, I want to go to Chick-fil-A. Now you're talking, kids. That is God's will for your life and for mine. We're going to Chick-fil-A. Yes, yes. Papa, I want to go swimming. Can I get in the pool? Yes. Papa, I want a toy. Can I, can I have a toy? Yes. And then when they were small, when they were smaller, the older ones were smaller and the smaller ones now, and they'd go to the bathroom and they'd be like, Papa, I'm all finished. I need help. I'm like, no, call your da daddy. You no, I'm <laughs> no. Yes, 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 yes. No, I'm not coming in there. Call your daddy. Call your mama. So there is a line. How many of you understand? There is a line. God wants to bless your life with peace. He knows that you need it. So go ahead and ask him. Man, if I do that with my grandkids, you want that? It's good for your life. 
How many of you know ice cream is good for your life? When we get to heaven, ice cream is going to be on the list of some of the most nutritious stuff that in heaven, broccoli will be bad for you. Beets will be horrible for you. Ice cream, pizza will be good for your body in heaven. How many of you know that makes you want to go to heaven even more? I want to give them what they're asking for. And there's a loving heavenly father who doesn't want your life to be riddled by worry and anxiety and stress and tension. Instead, he wants to bless you with peace. So ask for it. He's like, all you got to do is ask, ask, ask. I'm here, I'm here. I want to give it to you. And we're like, ah, but I'm, I've got this and I've got, uh, and, and he's like, no, no, ask me, ask me. Ask me. Look at these uh, two verses right up here on the screen. Check this out with me. This is uh, out of Philippians, I believe. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and requests to God. And then because you belong to Christ Jesus, look at this. I love this. God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. Look at the next part right here. And this peace will control the way that you think and the way that you feel. See, God, this is what God wants to do. Listen, listen, listen. God not only wants to bless you with peace, he wants to dispense it into your life in such fullness that people around you, they don't even get it. They're like, I don't, how can they even be that peaceful? How can they, look at what's going on in their life. How can they not be riddled by and clobbered by anxiety and worry and fear? How can they have peace? Because God gives it to us and he wants to give it to you. So just ask, God, you know what I'm faced with. Maybe you've got family problems right now. It's totally eroding your peace. Maybe you've got financial problems right now. It's like, ah, Man, will I ever dig out of this? Ask God to give you peace. Maybe you've lost your job or lost your dream or you see your business moving in the wrong direction. Maybe there's so many challenges at work and it's, it's zapping you of your peace. What's your challenge? Loss of relationship, a health problem, a global pandemic. Jesus wants to give to you his peace, a peace that passes all understanding, causes your hearts and your minds to reign in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. It's not on the screen, but it became a mantra for me. It's one of the first verses I ever committed to memory when Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, dude, you're all worked up. You're nuts. You're all stressed out. You got so much tension in your life. Timothy, I want you to realize that God has not given to you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind, a peaceful mind. And that's what God wants you to have. Hey, last verse. And this is Jesus himself. This is not even Paul. This is Jesus himself. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. And they're like, yeah, we believe in God. Jesus like, believe in me. And I'll give you that kind of peace. 
How can you and I, because it's the me that we want to be. We don't want to be the stressed out me, the anxious me, the the me that is filled with so much tension and anxiety. No, we want to be at peace. How do we experience real peace? It always shows up when we follow the plan of God. God, this is what your word says, therefore I'll do it. Happens when we experience the forgiveness of God. I'm not going to walk in guilt and shame and regret. It happens when you and I experience the presence of God. God, even when it feels like you're nowhere to be found, you are here, right here, right now. You are with me. Happens when we reflect on the faithfulness of God, that God, even in those moments in my life when I've been unfaithful, you have been faithful to me. Your record is perfect. When you step up to the plate, you're batting a thousand. You've never made a mistake. How many of you know this is one word that has never been found in the vocabulary of God? Uh Uh-oh. I guess that's two words. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. God's perfect. He never made some mistakes. And it comes when we simply ask, Paul, Paul, give me some ice cream. You got it. Chick-fil-A, even better. God, give me peace. You got it. It's what I want to give you. If you need peace in your life today, you just sort of wave your hand at me like this, just in some area, just wave, wave, wave. I knew it would be a lot of people. Would you stand? Let's close in prayer. God, we need your peace. Kind of peace that passes all understanding. We want to have spiritual peace. If there be anybody here today or watching online that they're not at peace with you, they've not given their heart to you, that even right now they would say, Jesus, come into my life. I I want a right relationship with you. I can't be good enough. I can't make it happen. I need you to make it happen. I want to be at peace with you. I want to have relational peace. I know I can't control other people, but I can do my part. I can do everything in my power. God, I want emotional peace. I just want to know that you are with me. I want to know that even when I walk through some of the toughest times in my life, whether it's in my family or money or job or relationships or health or whatever it is, God, I hold on to peace. And we thank you for that. God, for every person that raised their hand, for every person watching online that they need your peace today, let it become a reality for them. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. I love you, everybody. Have an awesome week. Don't miss next Sunday.